Hello and welcome to Two IPs in a Pod, a podcast on intellectual property from the Chartered Institute of Patent Attorneys. My name is Lee Davis, the Chief Executive of SEPA, and through this series of podcasts, I'm going to invite SEPA members and others from across the world of IP, including inventors, innovators, and creative people to share their stories with me. I am joined in this adventure by my regular co-host, SEPA Council Member and Honorary Secretary, Willem Roberts. We are the Two IPs in a Pod. Hiya, Gwilym. My uh, my jewelry service is over, and I treated myself to a nice, relaxing weekend reading the UK Internal Markets Bill over and over again, trying to make some sense of it. Beat that. Did you make any sense of it? No. I particularly didn't make any sense of the bits about legal professionals and so on. I've got more work to do on it. But anyway, listeners to the podcast don't want to know about boring stuff like that, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, they'll, They'll hear about it. We're not two IPs in the pod this week. We are, of course, two IPs in a pumpkin. I mean, yeah, it doesn't have the same ring to it, though, does it? I think it has more of a ring to it. We, we went through a few options, didn't we, about other things we could be IPs in, but we won't go into that now. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure you get peas in a pumpkin, though. Surely we're going to get lots of complaints from patent attorneys that you don't get oh, peas in a no. pumpkin. Oh, no. If we called ourselves two pumpkin seeds in a pumpkin, that would have worked, but we'd have lost the context. Yeah. So it's Halloween edition. I know you've prepared some brilliant Halloween jokes, so can we have them, please, Lee? All of them at once, or we'll do one, and then kind of we can just look at the guests' faces. Okay, yeah, yeah. That Albert Einstein was a genius, wasn't he? Shame about his brother Frank. No, can can we do the jokes? (laughs) All right, then let me let me let me try this one. Then I see Dracula was called as an expert witness in an IP case the other day. Apparently, he was a person killed in the art. No, 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 not not. Keep going, keep going. Did, Did did you see that you can now be prosecuted for impersonating a ghost? Copyright infringement. Okay, I'm smiling a bit because it's wearing a stone. We've got with us today. Hang on, can I can I do my joke? Can I, can I do my joke? Can I do? Oh, my you joke? do your joke. Sorry, yeah, I was going to crack on. It's so intuitively funny that I had to write it down. <clears throat> what does a bloodthirsty IP specialist chase people around the woods with in the middle of the night? Yeah, I didn't even follow it. So go on. The copyright designs and patent acts. Well, do you know what? I'll give you that. I actually laughed. (laughs) (laughs) So back to the plot. I'm sure it's going to improve because I know our guests are well prepped for today. We've got two SEPA council members with us today. First of all, Chair of Patents Committee, Tim Jackson. Tim, how are you and what have you been up to? What have I been up to over the last six months? Even less than most people, I think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've seen an awful lot of my living room. Um, sometimes I look out of the window. And something I would have liked to have done a lot of is, is singing in my choir, but my wife has decided that I'm at risk and I didn't ought to. And it has to be said that they've got some very strange ways of doing it, like you, you can sing, but you have to be two metres apart from anybody else who's singing at the same time. I read that it's going to be like, isn't it like 20 metres or something? Can't you absolutely blast out aerosol virus Infection. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. You you can't you can't do fortissimo. Was that oh? So it's, it's all pianissimo, two meter. Well, you've got lots of peas in there, so it must be. Um, <laughs> they must be in a pod. Oh, <laughs> he's on form. He's on form. We've also got an old friend to the podcast, the the newest member of council, because he's also been promoted. Joel Briscoe, who's now the onsec of the informals, and therefore has joined Super Council. So welcome, Joel. Thank you very much. I just wanted to check, am I the first person to come back to the podcast? I think you are. You are. Reflect on that. Reflect on that. Wow. Wow. (laughs) 
You must have really been scraping the bottom of the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it was the bottom of a pumpkin we were scraping, but you're right. We were scraping. Right, okay. Uh, well, yeah, thank you very much for having me back on. Um, yeah, as, as you said, Lee, I've, I'm, I'm now the honorary secretary of the informals committee. So last time I was on with Carolyn, um, who was the previous on sec, and I was the blog and social media editor then. So I was in charge of the yellow sheets and um, finding our weekly wacky patents article. And uh, now I'm, I'm, yeah, on the onsec, and it's been a busy old six or so months since uh, I've last been on onsec. Um, we've had exams two weeks ago. Goodness, just the end of October, so yeah, exams were a couple of weeks ago, and they were online for the first time ever, and that was a whole whirlwind that's happened. I think last time we were on, we were actually calling for the PEB to make the exams. Yeah, on. yeah. So, yeah. I like to think it was our discussion last time that caused Absolutely. that. Yeah. So that's the sort of influence two IPs have got. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got the scoop on the uh, EQEs, and now you've uh, yeah. flipped the PEB exam. So it seems that you've got a lot more influence than you think. <laughs> it was a completely new experience. There was a lot of difficulties in preparation for the exams and during the exams, I'm sure, but it was a completely new experience. And I think from no plan to putting up the exams online within 16 weeks, the PEB have done an immensely, uh, a huge amount of work to do that. And I think I speak for for all my other trainees that we're just glad to have the confirmation that that was going to go ahead because finding out the pre the EQEs got cancelled such a short notice before they happened was quite soul destroying for a lot of us. So finding getting the promise that that was going to go ahead and and, and they actually did and. From what I understand, and for myself included, they went ahead relatively, you know, problem free. So I think, I think it was great success overall. Well, I, I always judge everything we do by the amount of complaints I get in my inbox, and I haven't had any. So um, touch wood, fingers crossed. Anything else that you might do on Halloween to um, ward off evil spirits? So nicely, we didn't get the horror stories because the bar exam was, was a real horror story. Did you know that? They had the your favourite thing, Lee. They had the proctoring, um, I think it was. But you couldn't leave the screen, including to go for a comfort break. Yeah. And you had to sit in front of it whilst taking your, your comfort break. That's in, in, a, in a suitable receptacle. In a suitable receptacle. Yeah. So it's nice that we didn't have those those horror stories. And lots of, com- lots of common sense seems to have prevailed in the end, which is just what you need at a time like this. But you touched on horror stories then, and that's what we're here for today. I think oh, we're going to I know I'm, I'm good on my links. I'm really good. Right. It's all right. Wow. It's all right. I be doing this job, but I just think I ought to try one or two more jokes on you before we let You've Joel and Gail left. No need. There's no need. Oh, no, really. Horror patents. Really, no need. Really. What is a patent attorney mummy's favourite type of music? I don't, anyone? Someone else? Answer. Help him. Help no. me. No. 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 Rap. <laughs> What's I going to do with patent attorneys? Nothing, but I had to get some oh, IP kind of reference right. in there. No, somewhere. No, no. All right, let me try this one then. Um, so did you hear about the trademark attorney who advised a spa dedicated to Egyptian mummies not to call itself Relax and Unwind? That's the joke. Just yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're all that... laughing, Lee. <laughs> I was speaking this morning. To, this is a joke, actually. I wasn't, but just to get that qualifier in first before she sues me or anything. I was speaking this morning to SEPA Vice President and renowned chicken keeper, which is a difficult word to say, chicken keeper, Alicia Rinstone. She said that she thought her chicken coop was being haunted. I said it was probably a poultry geist. Oh. <laughs> the thing is, you just told us that you spent the weekend reading the internal markets bill, and I don't think you did. I think, <laughs> I think you've been up 24-7. Going through old lolly sticks and putting the word patent attorney on them. Actually, I think this fits perfectly well by reading the internal markets bill. He's gone completely bonkers and he'll never be the same again. <laughs> right, Tim, Joel, save us from this. Give us give us the inside track on Scary Patent. Something to entertain us on Halloween. 
How, how about okay. a photon push-pull radiation detector for use in chromatically selective cap flap control and 1,000 megaton Earth orbital peacekeeping bomb? It's a very good invention. That's and not one of AP Podrick's special. It is, absolutely. What, it, all, it, yeah, it, yeah. It's his most famous <laughs> of all. It's, yeah. And especially favoured amongst patent attorneys, I think, for the way in which he gets a cat flap and an Earth-orbiting bomb with unity of invention between the two. <laughs> <laughs> Let's break that down. So we've got what, proton push-pull. Yeah, I don't understand that bit either. <laughs> It's a, it's a radiation detector for use in a chromatically selective cap flap. Now, so far, what you have is the problem that um, he had a ginger cat called Ginger, surprisingly enough, and there was a, a, a black cat next door called Blackie. And Blackie used to come in and steal Ginger's food. And so what he needed was a cat flap that would distinguish between Ginger and Black. So he invented a chromatically selective cat flap. So I think a microchip would have been cheaper. They, they, they didn't have them in the 1970s. Oh, but they had this? Come on. <laughs> Look, being practical was never one of Mr. Pedrick's um, uh, supreme achievements. <laughs> the other problem with his patent from the purely legal point of view, though, and I'm, I'm told that somebody thought about filing an opposition against it on precisely these terms, but the other half of it, the, the Earth-orbiting bomb, oh, yes. uh, apparently Pedrick wasn't the inventor because the, the specification clearly said that it was Ginger the cat that came up with that bit of the idea. But <laughs> I suppose are... it's unlikely if artificial intelligence can't be an inventor, then presumably cats can't either. I don't know if that was touched on in the recent Davos judgment or not. I, I suspect <laughs> that they ought to have been looking at that one very carefully, didn't they? <laughs> anyway, the idea of the Earth orbiting nuclear bomb was, this was at the height of the, of the Cold War, um, uh, and uh, the idea of the Earth orbiting nuclear bomb is that the same detector that detected between a black cat and a ginger cat could also detect the launch of a nuclear weapon, and it would detect which of the three superpowers of the time, Washington or uh, um, Moscow or Peking, as it was then called, had actually launched this nuclear weapon, and it would rain down retribution on them. And I think there was an earlier patent of Pedrick's where it suggested that instead of distinguishing, it would just destroy all three of them with his Earth-orbiting peacekeeping bomb. And the idea is that it was a deterrent. Does the first missile launch need to be black or ginger, though? I'm confused. Well, that is a good question, which I don't think has ever been answered. I'm just, oh, where are we going to go with this? Um, move on to something else, I suspect. <laughs> Good morning, guys. Um, so obviously, no, not everybody has the pleasure of seeing your two wonderful faces when they come on this podcast, and that's just for your guests. But bringing that podcast experience home, you might want to invest all of your, pretty much everything, every penny you have in, into the futures of US 6923079, um, or better known as recording, transmission, and or playback of data representing an airflow. Sounds very complicated, but I've dubbed it the Telefan. And what this what this invention does is you, Lee, or you, Willem, uh, will talk into the processing device, which records the airflow coming out of your mouth, and that is transmitted through the wonders of the internet, and it would be, would be blown on my face so I could get a real-life experience of you talking right on my face, and that's the, uh, the Telefan. I had a garlic prawn sandwich for lunch. Let's hope it's just sticking to airflow. <laughs> And not um, halitosis coming with it. Why would you uh, want to replicate that experience? Well, I, 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 from what I can tell, it breathes through prosecution. <laughs> no? <laughs> yeah, I got it. Don't worry, I got it. Yeah. yeah, but we're all getting in the same way as we get Lee's jokes, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs>
I'm, so I'm struggling to, I don't think I've ever been in a conversation with someone where I've been that close to them that I thought, ah, the waft of your breath against my face is really making this conversation more stimulating. That's like a lyric. Is it a Mor- maybe a Morrissey lyric? It could, yeah, be, it could be Morris Morrissey's breathing preferences. Well, if that one doesn't take your fancy, then I do have the answer to an age-old question, is which way over should your toilet roll go? And this is purely based in fact, because US patent number 459516, wrapping or toilet paper roll by S. Wheeler, has a figure which depicts which way around toilet paper should go. And this is from 1891, so it must be true. So hang on, let, I, I, I don't know this, so let me see if I would do it the right way. I don't even know how to explain which way I would do it. I'd have the paper coming down nearest the wall, if that makes sense. So coming out the back of the roll. Oh, absolutely not. No, no, I think, I no, think no, no. I definitely have it coming out the yeah. front. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. No, no one in their right mind would do that. Well, then which, which is your preference before I give the answer? Oh, um, the, the opposite of what Lee said. I mean, yeah, the, 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 what all normal people would do. My God. Um, hang on, but was the patent all about which way the toilet roll was um, oriented? Uh, the patent itself was actually around the toilet paper having separate sheets and each each sheet was of a of a specific size so i think maybe before then all toilet paper was one piece perhaps and um, so it was about separating your pieces and it come with scissors no my granddad used to have this he used to have um toilet paper that was basically greaseproof paper sheets of it i, don't oh, I remember that stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that was wasn't it horrible yeah. stuff not standard and that was, that was in separate sheets a and b not particularly absorbent the toilet paper in these figures, and this figures one, two, and three, goes over a away no. wall. No, inhuman, absolutely inhuman. <laughs> a horror story, quite apt for Halloween, I think. All right, next one. I was listening to the podcast because I'm, I'm actually an avid listener, believe it or not, as well. And I was listening to but your... you. Won't be after this. No, <laughs> no not after this one. <laughs> I was listening to your podcast with Sir Robin J. who I actually had never heard of. So you know that goes so hard. I have to profession <laughs> you're, you're, myself. You're showing how can, young can you just, are here, Joe. Just mute him now. Get him off. <laughs> but anyway, the important thing that I took from that session is um, is is all about Albert Treacle uh, Lee. So um, you know he's getting ready for hibernation, and I, I believe he's. Emptying his bowels all over. He is, yeah. He's, he's in the house now, actually. Um, so got... I wanted to find a patent for you. <laughs> <laughs> and don't worry, this problem has been solved. <laughs> CN 10338-5210, or better known as a tortoise feces receiving device, is perfect. And it's all it's all that you need. So it's a very short patent. It's only two pages long. Um, the application, I should say. I don't know whether it's been granted just yet. I'll, I'll follow up on that for you at another time. <laughs> if I can just read some excerpts for you. This oh, please do. I'm intrigued. <laughs> okay, so this is paragraph four. And bear in mind, this has been translated from Chinese. So many people tend to keep tortoises in their houses, but defecation of tortoises often pollutes the environment inside the house, which is a difficult problem to solve. Moreover, tortoises generally live in areas with higher temperatures and breeding in the north requires certain conditions. So what they've done to solve this problem is to create a, a, a mat with a heat insulation layer that slows the loss of heat from the tortoise itself with a bowl under it to catch all the feces for you, Lee. So that's what the Chinese have done for you. So does, it, does this move around with the tortoise? <laughs> I believe so. I think you've got to train your tortoise to come back to it. <laughs> That, that, that would be the fail point, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just teach you to use a toilet if you're going to do that, surely. My uh, my favourite sentence in the whole pattern has to be this in paragraph 12. The sliding rod slidingly cooperates with the sliding trap, which is a very patent attorney way of speaking, I think. I, I, I don't know I, I, any decent patent attorney would get several more slides in there, I'm sure. 
I don't know whether this was ever a patented invention or not, but when uh, when we were getting worried about losing him because we've got quite a long long grass in bits of the garden and stuff, and if he's if he's out in the summer, it it can be quite difficult to locate him after a day or two. So I, I did Google tortoise kind of GPS tracking and things like that, and the best anyone had come up with was was about a two foot pole with a flag that you stuck on top of your tortoise so that you could sort of see it as it moves around the garden, which didn't really appeal to us. But yeah, how trainable is your tortoise, Lee? Because obviously, as, as we've identified, that's a key element of this invention is that you can actually teach the tortoise where, where to go, as it were. I, I haven't found them to be particularly capable when it comes to learning new tricks. Shall I, shall I give you another joke to keep us in the kind of like the, the jokey mood? Have you, have you given us any jokes at all yet? Okay, shall, shall, shall I try another statement that might be funny? <laughs> same again we go why are patent attorney chemists often found drunk at halloween i don't know lee why are patent attorney chemists often found drunk at halloween they believe alcohol is a solution i'm in pain <laughs> oh that was a grimace that's definitely a grimace i made mine up i know you're getting yours off the blooming dino website i know what you're doing <laughs> oh let me try the next one though fran will probably take this one out though this joke was censored by the editor. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> no way you can put it on. That's, uh, that's the, the funniest one, and it definitely won't make you. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like to be a failure until you tell one that's not going to go out, Lee? <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if Fran can dub the laughter from that, <laughs> some of the other ones, that'd be really helpful. I've got an instruction from Fran um, to ask you, what's the weirdest pattern you think you found in, in your extensive researchers weirdest mm-hmm. um th- th- there's lots of them that would clearly wouldn't work which in theory might be a reason for them not being valid and shouldn't have been granted but there's there's, there's so many weird ones to choose from though isn't there joe there really is i mean people's imagination there is. there's a few that spring to mind in particular um I, was, I think it was february last year i was trying to do a valentine special one i wanted to cover as many bases as i could readership so, you know, not everybody has a partner. So I ended up finding the solo operable seesaw, which I thought was a really sad, but it was quite a weird invention. So it was just a seesaw designed for one person so that you could seesaw away without a friend. Isn't that a pogo stick? <laughs> it was an actual seesaw plank with a very complicated mechanism so that it would it would push you back up with the same force you basically went down with. <laughs> What's, what's quite funny is they accidentally invented the perpetual motion machine and that's all they could think of to use it for <laughs> that's really sad in my youth i had a guy walking off the street when when i was back in private practice and uh he uh, was an engineer type and he had this huge sort of a naught engineering drawing that he'd brought in with him which was in his invention and he proceeded to explain it to me how 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 this bit over here fed water into that bit over there which generated electricity which fed through to the following bit over there which charged a battery up which did such and such and such and such and and there was all there was uh, uh, it was hugely complex and it was took me about 20 minutes of him describing this thing to ask the key question of you've got energy coming into this thing uh, coming out of this thing but where does it go in to which the answer is oh no there's no energy source and it had taken me 20 minutes to realize that he'd invented a perpetual motion machine i've only had two of those but one of them i still can't work out why it isn't actually patentable and, and a perpetual motion machine and it involved ping pong balls and a big column of water and then you you pop the ping pong ball in at the bottom it bubbled up to the top fell down you 
you collected the energies, it fell down. And then when it got to the bottom, it went back into the column of water and went up again. And the only flaw is I couldn't work out how you kept the water in. I'm pretty sure that was genuinely a perpetual motion machine. Yeah, they all are. But not, not long after I joined SEPA, um, I, I was told by my predecessor, Mick, that I would often get letters from inventors asking for advice. And he had warned me about an elderly gentleman in Scotland that would send him all sorts of ideas. And I, I swear about six, nine months in, I found myself in correspondence with this very guy. Forget his name now. He stopped sending me stuff. So I imagine at some point he probably passed away, sadly. But um, during this time, he had come up with an idea for powering the UK. And he had worked out that the waves move up and down. And if you put something in the sea and it moved up and down and you attached it to some kind of energy transformation device, the movement of the waves up and down would create energy. So he had invented something that everybody had invented before, which is um, wave power. But, and this is where he went on to include drawings, he had worked out that if the floating panel was exactly the same size as Great Britain, it would power enough energy to power the entirety of um, the island without any coal, gas, nuclear, or anything. All you needed was a was a platform the same size as the UK floating up and down in the sea. And then he went on to say, and the added advantage of that is you can then build houses on it and people can live on it. Um, they wouldn't need another one. Wouldn't, wouldn't you then need another one? That's the... <laughs> 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 you can see where this is, where the holes are here. Lee, call him Tim. I have a question for you. Yeah. Go on, Joel. Do you have a sexy walk? Do I have a sexy walk? Yeah. Would you know a sexy walk if you saw a sexy walk? Because I'm too old for that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm according there. to the inventor of a patent, it's US 7029428B. C. William Hansen III. He said, a sexy walk, its definition is analogous to the definition of pornography. I know it when I see it. But that didn't stop him developing the pelvic extension frame to help train your hips not to lie. And I have to say, I spent about a week coming up with their phraseology. Is there a physical fitment to the body? Is this something? Yes. So, so figure five of the pattern shows it's a very large frame device, which you basically strap yourself inside of. And because this is a much larger version of your pelvic frame, um, it helps you it helps you see and exaggerate the movement as you're walking. So then you can visibly see how sexy your walk is. And then you can train yourself to make it more sexy over time. It's not something you just wear on the street then. Well, I mean, you could. <laughs> you, you'd look like one of those old gas bustle. towers, wouldn't you? Wearing, <clears throat> around you? wearing a bus or something like that. There is, there is a connection to Halloween there, though, isn't there? It's the pelvic thrust. That really drives you insane. Let's do the time warp again. And Fran uh, asked earlier what was one of the weirdest patterns we've seen. I, I remember seeing one for the for the wacky patterns articles, um, <clears throat> which I think it was back in January, and I thought it was weird at the time, but today it might be somewhat of a necessity. It was a workspace divider. Um, it was basically a big igloo you built around yourself. And I remember at the time thinking, this is really silly. Why would you ever want that? But now actually, I actually come up with a name for it as well, which, you know, isn't trademark, but, you know, I'm willing to give it to the to the inventors of the US design pattern. I called it the cubic glue. Oh. It's a great name, isn't it? The yeah, 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 yeah. I've got a good finishing one from Fran. Oh, go on then. Go on. Come on. What, what, does Fran not want to come on and do it herself? Fran, do you want to come on and do it yourself? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Fran has very kindly, uh, astonishing producer, has in many ways come up with 
the a, a wacky pattern on online in real time ties a few themes of the day together uh, barring halloween so the challenge if you all can work on it while i'm just giving you a little bit of background is to think about the halloween angle um it is a pet bathing unit which of course can be used for example for tortoises and uh it includes uh, well obviously a container for supporting a pet therein and a fluid conduit and a jet nozzle proximal the base um which cleans the underside of the pet what's what's scary about that other than everything about it and the fact that somebody decided that would be a good idea and that they've got it in their house i'll, I'll stick with a bathing device at the moment because I will now tell you, I will now tell you that just before I came to sit down and, and launch Zoom to do this podcast, I went and removed Albert Treacle from his bath. So he baths in our kitchen sink. Okay. I have to leave him in there for about an hour because when a, when you bath a tortoise, when they get ready for hibernation, it's also so that they can have a drink. So you put you put just enough water in there so it comes up to about their chin. So he's a big tortoise. So it's inch, inch and a half deep water in the sink. And he sits in there. The trouble is, first couple of times we did it with him, he would try and climb up the side of the kitchen sink and flip himself over. And if you left him unattended, potentially he would drown because he would fall to one side and his mouth would be below the waterline. So what I do, what I do is I put him on a jar, okay? So a jar in the sink, balance tortoise on top of jar, bring water up to just below his mouth so he can happily drink without tipping himself over. Brilliant. So, you know, hats off to that invention. There will be a need for it somewhere. And if anyone listening has got uh, a weird, wacky, daft, dangerous, horrific, disastrous patent, just tweet us at the CEPA. Joel, Tim, thank you for sharing your amazing expertise around the world of wacky, daft patents. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. I'm sure there'll be lots of complaints. Uh, so if people want to complain, uh, please address your complaints to the Honorary Secretary, CEPA. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's, two, there's two of you to choose from. I'll just forward it to the appropriate Gwilym Roberts or Joel Briscoe. <laughs> Uh, thanks and goodbye. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Thanks.